Leo XIII was a very old man when he was elected, uh, and some thought that uh, he would be a short-lived pope, but as, as uh, he had them all fooled, he reigned for more than 25 years and became an even older man. And he spent a lot of his papacy writing uh, many uh, monumental landmark encyclicals to the bishops of the world, uh, expounding to them matters of faith and doctrine, matters of urgency to the life of the church, matters, uh, discussing urgent matters concerning the salvation of souls. And, uh, and of the many encyclicals and papal briefs that he wrote, he wrote 11, 11 encyclicals on the Most Holy Rosary. It's hard to imagine that anybody could find that much to say about something that so many people think of as a quaint devotion. Eleven papal encyclicals on the Most Holy Rosary. That should give us some idea of just how important the Rosary is to the life of the Christian. That one Pope could write eleven documents, learned documents, long documents on the Most Holy Rosary. Because Pope Leo XIII looked around him and he saw a world collapsing. Everywhere he saw Christians falling from the faith. He saw a downward spiral in society. He saw truly, in an almost prophetic way, the things that would eventuate. The rise of communism, two world wars, chaos, disaster, uh, almost a complete breakdown. Uh, of the Christian order that had existed, at least in part, in his own day. We know, of course, uh, that uh, Christian Europe fell, and with it, the world, and has never recovered uh, from, from, those, from, uh, from the effects of those things that we have witnessed in the last 150 years. Everywhere, the cause of the church and the cause of salvation of souls the very natural law itself is under attack, uh, and uh, men have long ceased to believe that there is a God to whom they owe their allegiance, a God whom they must obey. And when Pope Leo XIII looked at society, he enumerated three causes for the collapse. Three causes. And this is what he said. He said the three causes for the collapse of Christian society are a distaste for a simple and laborious life, a distaste for an ordinary, simple life of labor. Secondly, a repugnance to suffering of any kind. And thirdly, a forgetfulness, a total forgetfulness of eternal life. Men no longer think of heaven. He didn't say, the Pope didn't say that hunger is the cause of the world's problems. He didn't say that it was ecological disaster. He didn't say that it was financial. He said it was these three simple things. Men are no longer content to have a simple life of labor and fidelity to daily duty. Men have repugnance to suffering of any kind. And lastly, men have totally forgotten about eternal life. They have forgotten about heaven. They no longer even think of it or desire it. And then the Pope went on to explain in one of his encyclicals how this uh, is. The Holy Father says, regarding uh, man's refusal to embrace a simple life of labor and fidelity to daily duty, he says, to this cause we may trace in the home 
the readiness of children to withdraw themselves from the natural obligation of obedience to the parents and their impatience of any form of treatment which is not indulgent and effeminate. Pope says that children now expect their parents to indulge them and to treat them with effeminacy, to give them everything they want, to fulfill their every desire, and to demand nothing of them. And what of their parents, the parents of these same spoiled, rotten children? The Pope says concerning the working man, it, it evinces itself in a tendency to desert his trade, to shrink from toil, to become discontented with his lot, to fix his gaze on things that, that are above him, to look forward with unthinking hopefulness to some future equalization of property. So no longer being content with one's state in life, being jealous of one's neighbor, expecting perfect equality. A perfect equality, perfect justice in this world is futile, but that's what man came to expect. And of course, we know, we know the evils of Marxist atheistic communism and its failed, its failed promises for so many millions around the globe. Concerning the repugnance of suffering, the repugnance that men feel towards suffering, the Holy Father uh, has to say uh, that we are robbed of the great peace and joy and freedom which reign in the heart of each Christian who, united to our divine Savior, accepts the sufferings and crosses of this life. And because men are robbed of, of the joy and peace that come from suffering in union with Jesus Christ, they go in search of some other type of redeemer or savior. The Pope says, rather, than, rather do they dream of a shimmering civilization in which all that is unpleasant shall be removed and all that is pleasant shall be supplied. Men go in search of a perfect society, of some perfect shining city on a hill which does not exist in this fallen world of ours, some, fallen some shining city on the hill that will never exist in this fallen world of ours. The New Jerusalem cannot be created by men, it must be created by God. And yet we know that so many try to escape suffering in this life, they no longer see in it a meritorious source of eternal life. So they want to live life now completely without suffering, and if they encounter any suffering, then often they would rather die. And any of you who have ever had loved ones in hospitals or nursing homes knows that you will be persecuted. If you defend life, you will be persecuted. Because for many in our world, no life is better than a life that brings with it any pain or discomfort. Because the one thing we can say about our world today, if they don't hate God, they certainly hate the cross of our Lord Jesus. The third evil of which the Pope spoke, forgetfulness of future life, closely allied with the last. This is what the Holy Father said about those who no longer believe in or hope in eternal life. This is what he has to say about that. He says, but men of our day, and he's speaking, of course, in the 1890s, but men of our day, albeit they have had the advantages of Christian instruction, pursue the false goods of this world in such ways that the thought of their true fatherland and of enduring happiness is not only set aside, but to their shame, be it said, banished 
and entirely erased from memory. Notwithstanding the warning of St. Paul, we have not here a lasting city, but we seek one that is to come. And then the Pope points out an extraordinary irony. He says that the pagans in the old days uh, were really into this world, addicted to things of this world, sinful in their pleasures, and hopelessly almost headlong they cast themselves into sin. But he says, ironically, uh, they continue to have at least some hope, might have been a vain hope in many cases, but some hope at least, some idea of, the, of eternal life, and some hope and desire for it. And the Holy Father says that even if, well, this is what he says, I'll read it. He says, men in former ages, although they loved the world and loved it far too well, did not usually aggravate their sinful attachment to the things of the earth by a contempt of the things of heaven. Even the right-thinking portion of the pagan world recognized that this, this life was not a home, not a, but a dwelling place, not our destination, but a stage in our journey. The Holy Father is saying that the pagans of the ancient world at least had some knowledge and desire for however ephemeral or inefficacious in many cases for eternal life. Sadly, Christians these days want heaven less than the pagans of old wanted it. What a terrible state to which Christianity has fallen. So what, is, what does all this mean? These three causes for the downfall of society, uh, a rejection of a simple life rooted in duty and labor, a rejection of suffering of any kind, and a forgetfulness of eternal life. The Holy Father points out in one of his other encyclicals on the Most Holy Rosary, the chief duty given to each Christian by Christ and his apostles is the duty to pray. What can possibly make us embrace more the hardships of this life uh, than the mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary? A distaste for a simple life of duty. The joyful mysteries teach us to embrace a life of duty, a life of simple labor, whatever our state in life, a fidelity to daily duty, to our vocation, to our state in life. That is the very meaning of the joyful mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary. A repugnance to suffering, the sorrowful mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary are a school, a school that teaches us how to suffer in union with Jesus Christ, how to live out the passion and of our Lord in our own lives, to make up, as we are told by the scriptures, if that be possible, for what is lacking in the passion of Christ in our own lives. Forgetfulness of, future, of the future life, of eternal life, what, teaches, what can possibly teach us better how to desire and strive after eternal life than the glorious mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary. Those three sets of five decades, those 15 mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary are the very antidote to the very problems enumerated by the Pope, which is why he enumerated them, because he enumerated them to, con to try to convince souls to take up devotion to the Holy Rosary. Society hangs or falls based upon the fidelity of ordinary Christians to that little labor of love to our Blessed Virgin Mother. 
When St. Dominic, the great, one of the greatest preachers, greatest priests, greatest theologians who ever lived, received the Most Holy Rosary from the hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary, she told him, My dear son, you're a great priest, a great preacher, a great theologian, but if you want to convert heretics, if you want to convert schismatics, if you want to bring blessings from heaven and bring souls to Jesus Christ, teach them this little devotion of mine, the Most Holy Rosary. And we know that the great Saint Dominic did so to great effect. A few short decades after his death, already, how stiff-necked we are, already devotion to the Rosary began to wane. Devotion to the Rosary always waxes and wanes. And we know what happened after that because history has told us. In the 1300s, the Black Plague swept through Europe, and one-third of humanity, one-third of Europeans died in that plague. I bet they prayed the Rosary after that. The Holy Father makes clear to us that prayer is our chief duty as Christians. Our chief duty as Christians is not to, to do this or to do that. It's not to tell the priest what to do. It's not to tell our neighbor what to do. It's not to do anything except firstly offer our heart and minds each day to Almighty God. But we find a myriad of excuses to abandon prayer. Oh, I have to do this. It's more important. Oh, somebody's bleeding in the street. It might be more important to delay your rosary and wait till they're in the ambulance to begin saying it. But we better raise our heart and mind to God at each and every moment of our day. And there can be nothing more important than daily prayer. And for the lay faithful, there can be nothing more important for all of us in a certain sense. There can be nothing more important than the Most Holy Rosary. If it could ever be said that priests and religious are in general holier or closer to God in some fashion than your average lay Catholic. And of course, that's not a, that's not a day fide teaching, but experience has shown that, it, that in many ways, priests and religious, when they give themselves wholeheartedly to their vocation, progress more rapidly than in virtue than the average lay person. Doesn't have to be that way, because lay, person, lay people are called to become saints as well, and many have them become great saints. And in our own age, we know that many priests and religious have abandoned their vocations and become the most wretched of sinners. But if it could ever be said in any sense that in the main, sometimes at least, religious and priests excel and advance more rapidly in the spiritual life and become holier, quicker, why is that? Is it because they're special? Is it because they have some trick to become saints? Is it because God simply loves them more? Well... We'll leave the, love of, the question on the love of God to the theologians. But one thing we can be cer certain of is when priests and religious are even halfway to their faithful to their daily duties, they pray. Priests and religious pray somewhere between three and seven hours a day, depending on the circumstances of their lives and their own personal uh, piety. Three to seven hours a day. What does that mean? It means if a priest even pretends to do his job one-third of the time, by duty, by fidelity to duty alone, he is praying an hour a day. A lazy, good-for-nothing priest prays one hour a day. How many Catholics in the pews don't even pray one minute a day? 
So you see, there are advantages to becoming a priest or religious. But each of us is called to pray the Most Holy Rosary daily. What is 15 or 20 minutes for eternity? Holy Father, I'll end with this. The Holy Father has this to say about the daily rosary, and especially about the recitation of the rosary in the family. That custom of old of our forefathers ought to be preserved or else restored, according to which Christian families, whether in the town or in the countryside, were religiously wont at close of day, when their labors were at an end, to assemble before a figure or image of Our Lady and recite the rosary. The rosary is not an option. Souls are falling daily into eternal hellfire. Families are being destroyed. Uh, our entire world has rebelled against its creator and its redeemer. Do not pretend to love your children if you do not teach your children to love God. Children do not pretend to love your parents unless you are obedient to them when they instruct you in how you are to love God. There can be no greater gift that you give to one another than devotion to our Lord and to our Lady. Uh, no greater gift that, that you could give to one another than an agreement to be faithful daily to the Most Holy Rosary. May God bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.